Hi everyone and welcome back to the Balancing Bipolar podcast, the podcast that dives deep into the complexities of bipolar disorder. I am your host Jordan and I am so glad to have you all back for another episode. So without any hesitation, let's just get right into it. So in this next section of the podcast, I'm going to follow along from the previous episode and talk about my experiences with getting a diagnosis. Getting diagnosed with bipolar is often a transformative experience and it's marked by a mix of emotions, you know, like relief, confusion, fear and so many others. And it's a journey that starts with recognising that something isn't quite right and that the roller coaster of emotions isn't just a passing phase, which in the last episode I talked about sort of my experiences leading up to realising that something isn't quite right. So, of course, age 14 to 16, the mood swings that I was experiencing were often put down to hormones and just being a teenager. And I never really recognised in myself that something was genuinely wrong with me until I was 18. I had a terrible manic episode at the time and my family and friends were so concerned for my well-being. And my mum even suggested the idea of bipolar disorder. But at the time, I just like pushed it off and I was like, yeah, whatever, mum, I'm just out having fun. I'm just being an 18 year old. But I was following the same sort of pattern as when I was younger. But the depression that followed was by far the worst experience ever. It was horrible. And this manic episode ended up with me in the hospital, having to undergo two surgeries and was just a very traumatic experience. So this took place after being diagnosed with major depressive disorder. In my mind, I experienced depression. And then when I was going through my manic phases, I thought that was actually who I was. My moods changed a lot more rapidly when I was younger and stability is not really something that I can remember having. So the depression that followed this manic episode was absolutely terrifying. I was stuck in a loop of existential thoughts. I was questioning about the creation of the universe, about God, about how we even exist. And don't even take a minute to like ponder or question it because it's something that since this experience really frustrates me. And the fact that we will actually never know or have an explanation for why or how we're here and how we coexist with plants and animals together to create such a beautiful and biodiverse planet, I do not know. But this doesn't actually sound so bad, right? Until you factor in the fact that I was receiving messages like telepathically through songs, through the TV, through very mundane everyday things. Even the clouds were sending some sort of message and suddenly I was the only real person to exist. Everyone around me was just a fabrication of my imagination and nobody could reason with me or tell me otherwise. I was so agitated and paranoid that I spent months in my room. I wasn't able to interact with this fabricated world that I was imagining in some sort of like social experiment type way. So it felt very like Truman Show-esque type experience it was really really strange and that's the only way that I can really describe it I don't remember how I came back to reality just that these thoughts kind of faded away over time and I was fine for a while but I was concerned by the nature of these thoughts you know it was severe depersonalization and derealization 
I thought I was bordering psychosis. I was extremely concerned. And after years of silence and just coping with the fact that I thought I'd lost my mind, I went to get help. So I was formally assessed and diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And it's worth mentioning that I had complete faith in this diagnosis at this time. But in the back of my mind, what my mum said was still tucked away on a shelf somewhere. So a few years later, after a few more depressive and maybe hypomanic episodes, I found some stability. And I remained stable for a few years like on my own, no help, nothing. I was okay. At this point, I avoided alcohol. I was eating pretty well. I was working, so I was busy. And all of that, I think, really helped and contributed to the stability I was feeling. But at this point, I sat and thought to myself, how can I have borderline personality disorder and be fine with no real treatment or support? You know, I sort of looked back at the diagnostic criteria and I thought, I don't relate to this at all. Like, of course, there's certain parts, you know, there's a bit of crossover between symptoms and stuff, but I think the experiences are very different. So I began doing more research on bipolar disorder. I was reading stories and experiences from others with the condition and... What my mum said was now at the forefront of my mind and I was like, okay, maybe all them years ago she was right. And it was an accurate description of my up and down experiences that I'd gone through up until this point in my life. And at this point I'm 26. I've just started studying with the Open University and I'm really feeling like I can achieve things for the first time in my life. But I also thought, I can't just let this go. So I decided to seek help, as there was no guarantee in my mind that the depression wouldn't come crawling back at some point, or that my mood would rise and I'd be disinterested in things like studying, and I really, really didn't want this to hinder me. So getting help was hard work, but I persisted and persisted, and finally I got on a waiting list. A year and a half later, I got a call to come in, and at this point, I'm 28. I was formally assessed and openly discussed all these experiences that I'd had, and I was told to come back for another assessment because we didn't have as much time as I needed to talk about sort of everything that had gone on. So after two mental health assessments, I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And after this past 14 years of struggling with my mental health and 10 years after the first time I asked for help, I finally had a real answer. And I was also on the tail end of a manic episode during this time, which I really think aided my diagnosis. I think diagnosis comes with a feeling of relief. I could finally put a name to what I was experiencing. But I was also so uncertain about what is to come next. And I did think after being diagnosed that I would actually get some real help and support. So fast forward to now, I'm 29 and I'm finding my feet after the worst manic episode I've ever had. And I'm trying my best to work things out on my own until I can get some actual treatment. I also got my degree this year, so I'm very, very proud of myself for achieving what I wanted to achieve. And I'm not going to sit here and slag off the NHS, but I do think the mental health services in this country are extremely dire. 
they're not fit for purpose. And I know I'm not the only one who's been sent away with nothing but a prescription for antidepressants multiple times. It is so frustrating. And any of you going through the same or even still trying to get a diagnosis, I really, really sympathise because it was such a long and tedious journey. And I do look back and think a lot of the fuck-ups in my life could have been avoided if I'd known earlier and had some support. But you cannot change the past, so I do try and look forwards, and I am trying to aim for the future more. Sometimes it's just hard not to be a little bit bitter about it, though. And it's also really hard because I don't have anyone to talk to about it, so I think this podcast will be a great outlet in sort of aiding my recovery and helping me maintain some stability. As much as I hope that you guys listening find it interesting, engaging and helpful... But that is my diagnosis story. Of course, I've got way more stories to tell, but I am saving them to share with you guys later. So let's move on to the next segment of the podcast. So following on from my diagnosis story, you might be wondering how I manage alone without any professional help. I'm still not 100% at the moment, but slowly and surely I am getting there and I'm going to list the top five things that help me manage my own stability and ensure that my life goes as smoothly as possible. First up is daily routine. Establishing and sticking to a daily routine it can provide stability and structure. This includes regular sleep patterns, regular meal times and activities. So for me, I work full time, so I try to revolve my routine around my work schedule. And eating three meals a day at routine times is also good for your physical health. So even if you're not a breakfast person like me, um, having a snack or a piece of fruit a couple of hours after you get up is better than having nothing at all. And adding that structure to my day has made stability so much easier. The consistency and making time for wellness during the day has also been great in impacting my overall health. Number two is education and self-management. Learning about bipolar disorder, its triggers and warning signs can empower you to better manage your symptoms. Learning more about the condition and reading other people's experiences was not only a huge part of me getting a diagnosis, it's also now a continuous journey that I must take part in every day. So I find that it's really important to be informed on this topic and recognising how it presents in you. I find mood tracking is also a good way to assess how you're doing. So I'll keep a record of my mood each day so I notice certain patterns in my mood and I can spot the things that trigger these moods a lot easier this way. So I found that during my period and like the few days leading up to it, I am at my lowest each month so I can prepare and, you know, try and make things as easy as possible for myself during that time of the month. At number three, we have stress reduction techniques. So practicing stress reduction techniques like mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing, yoga, these can all help manage stress levels and add to your physical and mental well-being. Or if you struggle to meditate on your own like I do, guided meditations can really help boost your mood and help with anxiety and stress. I love them and don't do them as often as I probably should, but they are amazing and so good at relaxing me and giving me a peace of mind. 
Moving on to number four is healthy lifestyle choices. So, of course, we are always told that adopting a healthy lifestyle with regular exercise, balanced nutrition and adequate sleep can contribute to overall well-being and mood stability. And it's true, but it's also hard to maintain this at times, especially when you're feeling depressed. I would be lying if I said that I went to the gym every day and ate clean, but for me, I allow myself to use the energy I have for certain things when I can. I've been down quite recently and the cold damp weather certainly doesn't help, so it's not always been possible for me to go out and exercise. But even if you just came out for a 15-minute walk or following a short workout on YouTube if you're not keen on going to the gym, these activities can really help boost your mood. And when it comes to diet, this is also super hard with depression. You know, often you don't want to cook and it can feel like the most impossible task in the world. And I've been ordering takeaways way too often lately and I've certainly put on a few pounds doing it. But I am going easy on myself whilst I'm not happy with the weight gain as long as I'm trying my best. That's all that I can do. I also struggle with binge eating when I'm depressed and that's kind of a separate issue that needs to be like tackled by itself but this also makes it hard to maintain a healthy balanced diet as the things that I binge on don't tend to be very healthy. Moving on to last at number five, avoiding substances and this includes prescription medications if you are abusing them. So alcohol is the most popular, normalised and easy accessible drug that we have on the market for you to buy anytime. And I'm from the UK, so binge drinking culture and drinking alcohol from quite a young age is a thing. And as I said before, I was drinking at 14 to get through the school day. So for me, it's important that I avoid alcohol as much as possible these days. Since it works as a depressant, it makes me feel so much worse. Like not just the hangover, but for days or even weeks after a night out, I feel depressed. And for me, the brain fog is horrific. Similarly with drugs, so since there is so many, I'm going to speak on like a couple of classes of drugs, but I will say whilst cannabis can come with bad side effects with some, I do know a lot of people with bipolar find it helpful in managing symptoms, staying calm and regulating mood and just as something if you don't drink, just something that you might do recreationally even. But I feel like that is a separate topic on its own because, you know, there are some studies having been done about cannabis and bipolar disorder. So I may delve into them at a later date on the podcast if that's what people want to hear. But when it comes to party drugs like MDMA or cocaine, these drugs are ones that I need to 100% avoid. As much as I love the feeling whilst I'm under the influence, the after effects are just so not worth it. These types of drugs are stimulants and, you know, so they raise your heart rate and they deplete serotonin, which this leads to very depressive come downs, which for so many people with bipolar can be dangerous. There's also a risk of having a bad time whilst on these drugs due to our bipolar or even maybe just dodgy drugs. It can be so unpredictable. So for me, it's avoid, avoid, avoid. Prescription drugs as well. So whilst they have been a big source of comfort and self-medication over the years, I cannot take opiates or benzodiazepines like codeine and Valium as I know I will get addicted again. 
So Barrier is something that alongside my bipolar is a constant fight. I spent the whole of my early 20s under the influence and I'd also mixed these substances with each other and with alcohol which led to me getting arrested, hospitalised and just some really horrible situations that I fortunately do not remember for the most part. So with all that, substances are probably the most important factor in maintaining stability. Anything that messes with the chemicals in your brain has the potential to make us very unwell, so be careful. I'm also just going to throw a bonus one on here as well since it's just come into my mind, but that is to be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself. You can't rush wellness and you need time to rest your body, rest your mind. So if you want to sit on the sofa all day watching TV shows, do it. Use this downtime to re-engage with your hobbies, catch up with TV shows, play video games, do little things you enjoy that don't require a huge amount of effort if you're feeling depressed or tired or like you just can't do things. Just take your time. You will get well again. And always remember that what you're going through now won't last forever. So that is the end of today's podcast. Thanks everyone once again for listening. And let's continue this journey together. The next episode will be out pretty soon and I am hoping to feature a creative corner in future episodes where you can share your short stories, poems, etc. to be read aloud on the podcast. Similarly, if you have any questions, if you have any experiences or stories you would like to share on the podcast, please email at balancingbp at gmail.com or send me a DM on Twitter. My Twitter is at balancingbp. Thank you all once again for listening and I'll see you in the next podcast. (music) 